that in the event that a child in our care is hurt, that we can get them to the doctor and we can, on behalf of their parents, consent to medical care. Hello and welcome to another episode of Law and Church, a podcast for church leaders. My name is Brian Fitton. I'm here with Josh Bryant, managing attorney at Church General Counsel and an ordained pastor. Hey, Josh, how's it going in the quarantine state that we're all in right now? How are you doing with that? Well, I'm sick of brushing my teeth four times a day because every time I stick that mask on, I smell my own breath, and it's like, no, I'm going to have to go. I have to go brush my teeth again. Uh, but, uh, hey, other than that, hey, it's, this looks like it may be new normal for a little while, so yeah. we'll, we'll deal with it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it is definitely, a, it's almost, like it is becoming the normal, right? And uh, But, man, I'm telling you something, our, our medical professionals out there are ones who are ma- wearing the mask all the time and all the uh, all the gear that they have to wear, but we, it is, it's still, an, it's kind of an annoyance on there. But we're doing our part, right? We're making sure to protect keep everybody healthy and safe. And so, uh, yeah, it's definitely been a, a, a different transition, but you know, a lot of our churches, uh, you know, especially within, um, you know, Arkansas, we had an announcement that basically churches and some businesses and stuff like that can start opening and meeting again. Uh, we've gotten some questions on that. So Josh, tell us a little bit about kind of this reopening process. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of churches now who are, are kind of in that phase where they're planning their reopen or planning, okay, how do we get back to this new uh, normal? How do we get back to a sense of normalcy? Well, one of the aspects of that has to do with getting kids to camp this summer. Uh, there are some camps that have decided, you know what, we're going to go ahead and close and we're not going to do uh, do camp. But there are a lot of camps and a lot of churches are still saying, hey, to some degree, in some fashion, we're going to do camp. And that is so incredibly important. Uh, as I hit the mic there and you hear a big thump on the podcast, sorry about that. Uh, but we're not going to stop. Let's just keep rolling. Let's do it. Let's do it. It wasn't that bad. We're we're good. <laughs> we're, we're we're making do. Uh, so that there are there. It is so important that we do these camps though, because there are so many salvations that come from camps. Kids get saved at camp. I got saved at camp. Uh, my brother got saved at yeah. camp. I know uh, hundreds of kids have gotten saved at camp. So, I mean, it's just we've got to get kids to camp. Okay, it's, it's it really is that important. But the question becomes now. How do we do that safely with COVID still kind of looming over our heads a little bit? And whether it's in the context of a pandemic or just the context of trying to make sure that we can get medical care for a kid who breaks their leg, doing something off of the blob into the lake that they shouldn't be doing, whatever the case may be, we've got to make sure we can get medical care for these kids while they're away from their parents. The problem is when churches send me these medical release forms that they have and say, hey, will this work? The answer I almost universally have to give is no, they don't work. Uh, And so it's important that we kind of beef up those forms a little bit to make sure uh, that in the event that a child in our care is hurt, that we can get them to the doctor and we can, on behalf of their parents, consent to medical care uh, more than just trying to keep them alive. Uh, And we'll talk about that more as the podcast goes on. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Josh. And so with that, you know, churches who are doing this well, they have the correct documentation to allow basically doctors to be able to perform their jobs because without it, uh, they can't do anything for that child. Is that correct? That's right. You know, really, a doctor is going to be hard pressed to take a, a basically a three sentence. I give permission to this person to consent to medical care on my behalf. They're going to be really hard pressed to just take that uh 
when, especially when it's on a form that's got a whole bunch of other information on it and say, yes, I'm going to treat this child based on this, um, th- 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 these three sentences. Uh, they're not going to want to do that. They run a huge risk, a lot of liability in doing that. Uh, you know, maybe uh, they don't have all the information that they need to treat based on medical history. Um, you know, so you may not have your medical history on that form. They may not know that that form is actually signed by a parent. That form is probably not notarized. There are all sorts of different things uh, that, that a doctor is going to look at that and go, mm, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm just not going to do it. And that's especially true with pain medication. You know, a lot of doctors, especially right now on the, on the kind of the back end of the opioid crisis as I mean, we're still dealing with it, but uh, for the most part, we've, we've kind of addressed it and we're going to continue addressing it. But with this, the, the, the opioid addiction and just the, the addictive nature of some of these painkillers, doctors are going to be hard pressed to administer that type of pain medication without very explicit permission and knowing that they are legally covered. Uh, they don't want to get sued for malpractice. And so they're going to have to be very, very cautious and they want to be very cautious. And generally the rule is the only thing a doctor is required to do without proper consent is keep somebody alive. Well, death is usually not something that's going to happen anytime in the next, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 hours or days, even with a broken leg. But can you imagine a kid sitting there in the ER with a broken leg, can't get a hold of parents or parents are several hours away and they can't come in and sign the necessary forms, don't have good insurance information, whatever. And the doctor says, the only thing I'm going to do is keep this kid alive. I'm not going to administer pain medications. Um, man, that could be a problem. That can be a huge, huge, huge problem. And it's, it, it, we, we certainly don't want that for a child. And so that, that, that is the, the quintessential problem. You know, a lot of times we have these forms, but these forms give us just a false sense of security. And a lot of times we never need them. And that's great. But it's when we do need them that we must make sure that they accomplish the goal that we have. And that is our ability to go get proper medical care for uh, a child that's been harmed. So you've got to make sure you've got good consent. Otherwise, the only thing a doctor is going to be able to do legally is keep that child alive. Yeah. And so let's talk about that. I mean, what is it specifically in these forms that need to be able to give permission to the churches to be able to treat these kids? Right. You know, and like I said, a lot of my just a lot of my say are just not adequate. They may be just uh, two or three sentences that say, I parent of such and such child, give my permission uh, to uh, this church to seek medical care uh, in my absence. Here's his date of birth, his social security number. Here's my address and, and my phone number, yada, yada. Maybe, maybe that's got that stuff in it. But at a minimum, it needs that at a very, very minimum. You really need to have much more robust of a document. Uh, certainly the data elements that need to go in that document include you need to have good insurance information. So your health insurance information, group number, policy IDs, the, the number they need to call, so forth and so on. Really, a copy of that insurance card uh, is great to have attached to that permission form. Uh, those types of things, even if, if we're cynical and just say the doctor only cares about getting paid, uh, that's going to make a doctor feel a lot better because if I don't have permission to treat that child, why do I have their insurance card? If you don't have permission to consent to that treatment, why do you have a copy of their health insurance card? Yeah. So that, that makes that doctor feel a whole lot more secure in saying, okay, I'm going to be okay treating this child. And so you need to have some insurance information there to help that doctor out. You really need to have medical history. Okay. We don't know exactly what uh, is going on, but let's say 
that this, the, the child comes down with some sort of an infection uh, and it's a bacterial infection. We want to give it antibiotics. Well, is that child allergic to penicillin? If a doctor doesn't have a medical history that can determine whether or not that child is allergic to certain antibiotics or certain other medications that they need, the doctor is going to be very hesitant in saying, mm, I'm going to administer this particular type of medication to this child in order to help. And so you need to have a medical history. What are you allergic to? Uh, what uh, chronic conditions do you have? You know, uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, a child will have a, a chronic um, allergy. Uh, maybe it's an egg allergy, okay? But they come in with some other symptom. Well, eggs are a lot of times used or egg yolks are a lot of times used in certain um, vaccines and certain shots and certain medicinal, uh, you know, medicines that they can they could administer. Well, if the doctor doesn't know that, that this child has an egg allergy, it's going to create more problems. And so your forms need to say, I want to know all of the allergies. I want to know all of the the other, you know, chronic underlying conditions. Have there ever been any other surgeries? Have there been any, any, anything that we need to know medically in order for this doctor that we're going to take your child to in the event of a problem? We want to know everything we can possibly know so that that doctor will have all of the information he or she needs to properly treat this child. And so you've got to have all of that in there. Dates of birth, addresses, contact phone numbers, all of that needs to be in there, uh, as well as uh, kind of the next point, which I'll just go ahead and segue into, is it needs to be more than just I give permission. All right. This really needs to be a limited power of attorney, a limited healthcare power of attorney that a parent is going to give to a specific person in the church. Okay. They can give it to the church if they want to. A doctor is going to feel a lot more comfortable with it being a power of attorney uh, that an individual has. Okay. And in that power of attorney, it needs to indemnify the doctor for relying on it and saying, listen, I'm not going to sue you because you treated my child based on the information that's in this paperwork that I'm submitting. Uh, it needs to give a, a person in the church or give the church the specific permission to uh, consent to medical treatments. It needs to specifically call out the use of pain medications uh, and other um, uh, medications that are just designed to help people be comfortable rather than to actually fix an, uh, an underlying medical problem. Uh, and it needs to, to really be detailed. I mean, this is, this is where lawyers uh, kind of get a bad rap sometimes for, for using too many words. Um, but you need to say, yes, you have permission to set bones. You have permission to do surgeries to remove um, something that has impaled my child. You have permission to administer pain medications to keep my child comfortable. You have permission to do all of these different things. I mean, anything that you can think of that you might tell a doctor, yes, do this thing to help my child right now who is in pain and who's been injured or whatnot do these things. If you need to use a ventilator, use a ventilator, but you've got to spell that stuff out because if it's not specifically in there, a doctor may take a little bit of caution. Uh, I don't know if I want to do that. Okay. With kids, uh, you know, and I know this from having a, a medically complicated child myself, even when I ask a doctor, Hey, I would like a chest x-ray. Hey, I would like to run this type of scan. A lot of times they're saying, uh, I really don't want to do that because we're going to expose a child to radiation. So you need to give permission specifically if you as a doctor feel like it is necessary to expose my child to radiation and do x-rays or CTs or whatever else, do it. You have my permission and I'm not going to sue the church and I'm not going to sue the doctor for you doing what you think in your professional judgment is in the best interest of my child. And really, 
we're only talking about decisions that are going to be made in a very short time frame because ultimately they're going to get in contact with the parents as quickly as possible and the parents will be making those medical decisions at that point. Um, so when we're not talking about giving broad-based authority for long periods of time, we're saying this is the emergency, we're going to get this taken care of and then we're going to be in touch with parents and parents are going to start making those those medical decisions. So it really must be much more robust, probably three or four pages worth of stuff uh, that are going to be necessary in order to properly protect the children, which is the most important, but pre- protect the church, protect the doctor, protect the parents. Everybody has a lot more sense of security when we have these documents in place. Absolutely. And I, I think just even as a parent, like you would want that for your child. But I do know that, you know, we have a high needs child. And so that is one of those things that there are certain precautions that need to be taken in in that event if something did happen. Um, and I know there are a lot of a lot of parents out there that are the same way. It's like, yes, you know, in your medical judgment, make sure that you make that right decision for my child. Um, but it gives them the opportunity to outline anything that needs to be addressed ahead of time, which I think is is even more uh, if you feel that security as a parent going into that situation. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, and you throw on top of that, there are kids who they're going to be needing medication that volunteers are going to be administering. All right. So you need to have in your paperwork very, very clear instructions on how to administer that medication. Uh, you know, my son is on, uh, it's, we call it vest compression therapy. Uh, and, you know, you have to have this vest and it's got to be worn properly and you have to do it for so many minutes. Uh, and you've got to learn how to use this machine that, that runs the vest. It com- compresses them, helps them breathe a little better. Uh, you know, he's got to use you know, multiple inhalers and they have to be done in a certain order in conjunction with the vest. I mean, there's just a whole lot that goes into it. And so you're going to want to know about those pre-existing medical conditions and they need to be in that paperwork as well as for something like that. I mean, and it doesn't happen all the time, but if you've got something like that, you want very explicit instructions step by step. Here's how I administer that medical um treatment or that medical intervention, Uh, because if it's not done properly, then the church could be liable if you're going to take it upon yourself to to administer those medications and do those things. So uh, certainly having those instructions, having a nurse go with you uh, or having a camp nurse who understands those things, uh, those those are also uh, some some good things that churches can do to make sure that they're taking care of these kids and that they're limiting the church's exposure to some potential liabilities. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think church leaders are uh, not necessarily afraid of, but when, when putting those things together, a lot of times it is just kind of, you know, a, a one page document, just giving permission. Is it that they don't want to overwhelm the parents with the amount of paperwork or is it, you know, what, what do you think that kind of underlying factor might be to not make sure these things are in place? Yeah. So, you know, I think the underlying issue is that we don't know what we don't know a lot of times. Uh, And a lot of times we think, well, you know, we go somewhere and we're going to go parasailing and they have us sign this real generic uh, release of liability without really understanding that, you know, yeah, we hear release of liability is not worth the paper it's written on. It can be if it's done properly. Uh, And so it's got to be customized. And so there's there's a little bit of uh, of we don't know what we don't know. And maybe it's just some cultural ignorance there, which is 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 fine. Uh, That's why the podcast is here. We're trying to kind of help overcome some of those things and and help educate, equip and empower uh, church leaders to to know what they need to know and how to address some of these issues as they come up. I think there's a lot of concern. Hey, do we really want to overwhelm uh, parents with all of this stuff? And ultimately, we can certainly uh, take care of some of those things. We can certainly do that in one fail swoop. We don't need every time we go on a 
on a trip, we don't need new form signed every time. There are ways you can draft these things that that will, hey, I only need it one time and, and until you revoke it, it's, it's valid, it's good. Or maybe we need to do it once a year. Uh, and, and so that can certainly be an issue. Um, a lot of times it's copy and paste. Let's go with what, what's easiest. I'm gonna go find a medical release online. I'm gonna copy and paste it and put it in a document and call it good. It's probably not gonna do it for you. Uh, so you've gotta make sure that that um, whatever the fear is, whatever the, um, the, the lack of knowledge is, you gotta fill in those gaps. You just gotta fill in those gaps and make sure everybody's secure. And ultimately for church leaders to communicate this, if they get pushback from parents saying, ah, I piled, uh, ultimately, what what church leaders need to know in in responding sections is look you need to understand that without this the best a doctor could be expected to do is to keep your child alive mm. uh, and that in and of itself should be enough to convince that parent I just need to go ahead and sign this paperwork I need to do the hard work do do the yes it takes time I need to do it I need to get this paperwork in because that's in my child's best interest and ultimately that's all all of us really care about that's why we're going to camp. Mm is because of that child's best interest, not just right now, their eternal best interest. Uh, but this this takes care of the right now best interest is let's make sure that we can consent to medical care. Keep your child comfortable in the event that there's something uh, that, that injures or hurts them. Absolutely. So uh, church leaders are looking for more information, have questions on that. Where can they, uh, where can they reach out? Absolutely. Go to lawandchurch.com. You can go to churchlawgroup.com. ChurchGeneralCouncil.com is still active, even though we're changing changing the names and kind of kind of re uh, revamping things specifically to Law and Church. Go check that stuff out. I have a, a sample out there. It will be on sale for a limited time uh, of a medical limited power of attorney for a child specifically for this, and uh, we'll put it out there. Um, uh, typically, that sells for around twenty dollars. Uh, and of course, you can take it, you can copy it, do whatever you want to with it. It's not twenty dollars per kid. It's twenty dollars, and your church can use it. Um, it's going to go on sale for $5. I know churches are tight right now. $5 is going to get you a copy of this form. Uh, and you can use that as much as you want to. Uh, so go out there and get that, uh, great resource. If you've got questions, you need some custom drafting or custom language, call us up. It's, we, we don't charge an arm and a leg for stuff like this. Give us a call. We'll quote you a reasonable fee, uh, probably in the couple hundred dollar range. We'll, we'll draft a, a custom document for you, whatever your church needs, uh, in order to make sure that your kids are taken care of so that you can focus on their spiritual health and their eternal health while this document is there to provide for their immediate health. That's been another episode of Law and Church, and all the resources we've talked about today will be in the show notes. Uh, you can get those show notes on the Church Law blog at thechurchlawgroup.com or on our podcast website at lawandchurch.com. And of course, the show notes will always be available in your favorite podcasting app. That's right. And go do us a favor. Please go subscribe and review to our podcast. Listen, our heart is for the local church, and there are church leaders who really need to hear this stuff. And your review and subscription of the podcast just makes it that much more likely. And Certainly, we're going to be talking about stuff next week uh, that you're going to want to hear as we go into more detail. So uh, your subscription is also going to help make sure that you have access to that. And so uh, go do that. And then also make sure to go join the Church Law Group on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, search Law and Church, and you will find that group. You can also find the link in the show notes. Thanks, everyone. Yep. And we will uh, see you next week.